everybody and welcome to the Flash Podcast. This is your podcast for the CW hit series The Flash starring Grant Gustin as Barry Allen slash The Flash. Uh, it airs on Tuesday nights 8 7 central on the CW and it is Flashtastic. And if you're new to the podcast, welcome and you're now a speedster. You're part of our speedster Flash family. And if you're a regular speedster, welcome back. Happy to have you back. And I'm one of your co-hosts, Andy B. And with me are my great co-hosts, Scott Murray and Adam Holmes. Hello, everyone. How are you guys doing today? Doing all right. Good. Pretty cool episode. Uh, damn it, that's a horrible pun. Oh, man. Oh, it... <laughs> Strike one. Okay, there we go. You had to get it out of the way. It, no, I didn't even think. Of, oh my god, that that word was used so many times last night. It was almost hysterical. But um, uh, before we get into any flash and so, we just want to give a little belated happy birthday wishes to our co-host Scott because it was his birthday <laughs> two days ago. So happy belated birthday, Scott! I hope you had a great birthday uh, this week. Thank you. I did. Cool. Happy I mean, n- nice, thanks, cool, something. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, so th- so. I-, I hope did you have any cake? Oh yeah, too much, as always. It's well, it's interesting. I was thinking about that this morning about how, you know, unless you're just an avid cake eater, it's you. you it just comes in kind of spurts. You know, you you uh, don't eat it unless there's a special occasion like a birthday and then you eat a lot of it and you're like, okay, great, I don't need cake for a while. <laughs> <laughs> you know, It's like, I don't want any more cake, don't want to look at cake for a while. And then somebody else's birthday comes along and you hadn't had cake in weeks. And you're like, oh, great, cake. And it just, just kind of comes in phases with love and hate relationship every time it comes around. Awesome. <laughs> I love cake. But, uh, but let's get into some Flash news before we get to this episode. And uh, Adam, since you are... You are kind of like our reporter at this point uh, of the Flash podcast. What do we have to report on about Flash? Uh, we recently had a casting announcement. Uh, you know, we we've been having a lot of castings on the show. We have we've had a few protagonists here and there, but mostly it's been villains. Well, fortunately, we have another good guy joining the show. Uh, the Flash has hired uh, Vampire Diaries cast member Malise Zhao to join the show in a recurring capacity as Linda Park, who Flash fans, especially from, you know, the late 80s and 90s, will, rec- will recognize. Um, so for the TV show, the character is described as a quick-witted reporter for the Central City Picture News. And this is from The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, she befriends Iris while at work and helps her navigate the fast-paced world of journalism. When she meets Barry Allen at a local bar, the two hit it off. And her first episode is going to be episode 12. Now, the they're interesting... introducing a lot of sorry, but they're introducing a ahead, lot man. of people in that episode. Uh, Victor Garber as Martin Stein, 
Pied Piper, Linda Park. It's like they're going full out. Yeah, and especially the interesting thing about uh, Linda Park is that, like I said, you know, Flash fans from the 80s and 90s organized her, but, you know, as they also know, Barry Allen wasn't the Flash back then. That was Wally West. Yeah. So they're taking a Wally West character and, um, you know, adapting her for a Barry Allen show. Yes. Which is a love interest, possibly. And something I've seen, there's been a lot of mixed reactions to um, the character edition. Not the actress, because I've seen this actress. I actually watched the first season of Vampire Diaries when I was sick, um, when I had a nasty cold a few months ago. So I just, you know, put, went, went on to Netflix. It was like, oh, Vampire Diaries. Stephen McQueen is on it. That's cool. So I watched the first season. She was pretty good. She was a, she was a trickster, and um, so I I think it's a cool casting. The, the, here here are two things that I'm confused about. They already had a Linda Park on the show. Yeah, but sometimes shows will introduce a character at some point. You know, not expecting that. You know, they'll become more important later on. So they'll just you know they'll hire a random actor. And, you know, I guess when the showrunners decide they want to bring the character back, they wanted to pick an actress that, you know, maybe they thought she was a better caliber, maybe her schedule worked out better, but, you know, recastings happen. The thing that kind of shocked me was that fact that, because, you know, they ha- you know in the pilot, you know, we have Olivia Chang uh, playing Linda Park, and, uh, and also she, you know, she was definitely older than Barry Allen, so... It's kind of interesting they've t- taken this approach of... Um, because they did something similar like this on Smallville in Season 9 and 10. In Season 9, they introduced a character called Catherine Grant. Um, and it was a very refigured version of Cat Grant. And then in Season 10, they introduced um, the real Cat Grant, uh, who was working for the Daily Planet. And uh, she was you know, it was a, a very young actress who was really annoying so it's like it's it has happened before so i find it kind of interesting i know a lot of fans who are who love wally west they were kind of upset about this um because well how is this gonna play out now when 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 wally does show up because if you know let's say that you know when the show ends which will hopefully be in like 10 or 15 seasons um wally is probably gonna beat her and Let's say the series for that ends with a flash forward, and who's Wally going to be with? Because you know, it could, in this universe, actually be like that—that that, uh, Wally actually gets married to someone who's a little bit older than him. Yeah, um, you know, it's hard to say because we know that when event, whenever they introduce Wally, he's going to be—he's going to have to be maybe not a lot younger, but definitely younger than Barry. I expect when he sees introduced first, he's either going to be, you know, starting out in high school or maybe just about to graduate. So, you know, I guess they figured he's too young to have, like, you know, a relationship with an older woman now. So, you know, they could have conceivably saved her for, you know, later on in the show's run when Wally's introduced. But I don't know. I guess they just decided they wanted to bring another Flash character in. Well, let's uh, let's ask uh, Scott what you think about it. Well, I mean, you guys are, are much more well versed than I am in the character's actual uh, comic history, so I'm I'm rather indifferent on it. Um, I didn't watch Vampire Diaries, so you know, it's going to be the type of thing where I'll be able to re- react um, a lot more effectively towards it when uh, when I actually see her and see how she fits into the story. Cool. Well, we shall see what happens in 
episode 12 of The Flash. And um, that's going to be in 2015, so stay tuned for that. But um, those are all our Flash news for this week. Um, short, but sweet. <laughs> but let's talk about this amazing episode that is episode 4, Going Rogue. And we're going to do a little bit you know, different this week, starting from this week. Uh, this week's episode by we're going to do something called initial reaction and thoughts. So let's go around the table um, and see what our initial thoughts about this episode was. So Scott, let's start with you. What did you think about this episode to begin with? I, I think it's a, it was a good episode. I don't think it was a bad episode. I thought Wentworth, Wentworth Miller was, was really uh, good as the villain. Um, I think there are some things that are beginning to happen now where I find myself asking questions. Um, and I think this is a result of, you know, a show that's still pretty young and early, you know, still early in the game. But, you know, as you roll into five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten episodes, you can't say anymore you're still very early in the game. The good news is some of the concerns I have, um, I think they teased at the end they're going to start addressing um they might be abandoning the bad guy the weak thing which i think is good but um here here's here's what i mean um for example one of the things we've seen a lot is how barry uh as the flash can move and take things out of people's hands and put them in other people's hands or he can run by grab somebody and put them in a different place and in a flash so i found myself wondering all those times where Captain Cold's just walking around and getting on a subway and Barry just kind of shows up and talks to him, why he doesn't just run by Captain Cold really quick and grab the gun. You know, I think that's that's one of the things you have to watch really closely as you write these episodes that you have so many times, you know, put into every episode really quick where he runs and does all these things and that's all fine and good. But then you got to be smarter, I think, when it comes to these showdowns with the bad guys where the audience isn't, like, asking these, these sorts of questions. Um, and I found myself wondering why he didn't do that at times. Um, I thought the show at times got a little sugary. <laughs> you know, I know that uh, as a fan of Arrow, I've read other people's, um, you know, sometimes say that sometimes Arrow tends to get a little too, quote, CW. <laughs> and I think we all know what we mean by that, which isn't a criticism. It's just it's just a, you know a way to kind of label it. I think this show had a little bit of that in it, um, uh, with all the you know conflict with uh, Cisco, and then all the you know now let's work together as Cisco at the very end, and all the you know sweet talk uh, you know with uh, Felicity and and Barry. Um, but having said all that, I mean I still think it was it was an entertaining show. Um, good, good villain. Um, I see, uh, they're definitely setting up some things that are going to cause problems later. We alluded to that, um, earlier last week, mainly, you know, the relationship between Eddie and Iris and how that impacts Joe and his job and everybody else involved. We saw at the end, uh, uh, Iris said no more secrets, I believe is what she said, which everybody goes, uh, oh, um, so, I mean, you know, I think, uh, there were some good things there and I'm hoping that little tease at the end means that there's going, there already have things in motion that will improve the overall quality of the show. But I just think, you know, if they're going to have Barry running around doing all those things, they need to be smarter with the interactions with the villains 
and uh, what the villains are capable of and what he's capable of so that we're not asking questions like that uh, during the course of episodes. Okay, interesting. We'll get back to that. Uh, Adam, what did you think? Well, Scott articulated himself so well. Uh, don't know how yeah, I can follow time up. Step, um, time, time to step up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, first of all, I really... I was really... kidding. But listeners, by I was kidding, so don't <laughs> yeah, send course. me in hate, yeah, yeah. hate tweets. Yeah, Adam will do fine. <laughs> um, well, first of all, uh, you know, I haven't seen, I have never watched Prison Break. So as my first exposure to Wentworth do. Miller, <laughs> yeah, but as my first exposure to Wentworth Miller, he just did a tremendous job, you know, as our as our first live action Captain Cold. Um, <clears> I thought he played me. 90s the television show had a Captain Cold. First live action Captain Cold in tw- uh, over 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> OK, there we go. That's a flash fact. It is a flashback. So, you know, I thought he made an excellent villain, frankly, you know, and maybe this goes without saying for a lot of people that he's been my favorite villain so far. Um, I thought the rest of the plots were okay. You know, I really like seeing Felicity in this episode. However, you know, the whole, you know, Iris saying, Barry, you should ask her out. It was just sort of, I don't know if I would say it was unnecessary, but we all know that um, Felicity, you know, she's going to go back to Starling City. She's going to go back to Arrow. So, I think mostly just this episode was maybe not to completely close the door on the Barry Felicity relationship, but they needed to bring her back at least once to address those lingering subplots from that two part arrow episode. Mm-hmm. So, you know, seeing her was all right. I thought the storyline then was okay, but it was just like, you, you knew how it was going to turn out. Um, the Iris Eddie Joe thing, that was also okay. I got the sense that at the end of last episode, you know, Joe had sort of grudgingly accepted that his daughter and his partner were in a relationship, but then it almost seems like he regressed a little this episode, you know, to the point where he was giving her the silent treatment, which I get his reasoning, like why he told Eddie why he didn't approve of them dating, but then at the same time I thought, okay, but did we really need to dedicate a whole episode to this? I feel like you could have just addressed it really quickly last episode. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I understand why they did that. And, um, and then as far as Team Flash goes, I thought it was a good twist to have Cisco create the gun because, you know, he brings up a good point. He didn't know he didn't know Barry back then, and uh, yeah. so he wanted to have, you know, a contingency in case something ever happened. But, uh, yeah, I kind of agree with Scott. Near the end there, it got a bit uh, CWE with the sugary and the teamwork stuff. But overall, I did think this was a really good episode. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Well, my thoughts about this episode was that Look, I've I've been very open about this uh, on many episodes from season zero that I was really looking forward to see Member Miller as Captain Cole because I'm a huge Prison Break fan. Uh, I actually spent, before The Flash started, like four or five weeks uh, before that, I actually spent a lot of time re-watching the whole series again on Netflix. And, you know, I kind of wanted to get a refreshing about Peter Stormer, who, who plays Con Vertigo now on Arrow, uh, Robert Nepper, who will be back as the Clock King, and um, and the Dominic Purcell, who will be joining the show as Heatway on Flash, as well as Miller as Cold. So I kind of wanted to refresh in my memory about that, because it's been so long since I had seen that show. So... I've been very excited about it. Captain Cole is one of my favorite episodes. Uh, favorite, not favorite episode. Well, it is. It is one of my favorite episodes now. But it is also one of my. He's also one of my favorite villains from the Flash Mythos. And 
and I've learned so much about him for the past six months. So it's been kind of a journey to get to this point and see what they were going to do with him. So I I don't think I had those problems that you guys had with the episode. Um, um, I can I can see where you guys are coming from though about this that it was maybe a little bit CWE, and that they were having you know the the draw in Team Flash. But like I said, any new team needs to they need to start there. They need to have problems. They need to argue and so on. Just like Felicity said, they were not a well-oiled archer machine when they first started. <laughs> so I'm just quoting her. That's all. So that's well, how I, thought, I look. No, I, I thought her, I thought her advice there was actually one of the better moments of the whole team building element. And you know, I as you know, looking at it from a story standpoint, I, I totally get you know that they need to show conflict. It just it it just was so cookie cutter. I guess is the best way to put it. You know, and I think I think at some point in time, like what I what I like to do, it whether I'm like writing something or watching how other people write something or produce something, you know, I always wonder about, um, you know, what, what, what makes the most sense for certain characters to do certain things when they're put in cer- certain situations. Right. So, you know, did it make sense to me that Barry would get so mad about this that he would turn off his communicator knowing full well that, you know, there was, uh, a lot he didn't understand, a lot he didn't know. He and plus the other people that you know he needs to be communicating with. Um, it's not just Cisco; it's everybody else in the room that he had to throw such a fit where he turned off his communicator because he's mad at Cisco, you know. And then for him to get that mad and for him to just turn around and go, "Okay, Cisco, since you came out there with the vacuum, we're friends now." You see what I mean? It's just there's not enough, I think, depth to the conflict for us to really believe in the conflict. And I'm just saying that the conflict could be better. Well, to to me, I was reading between the lines that he kind of realized that, okay, Cisco did a mistake. Like, because he, now it's been a few weeks and he's seen that there there are some dangerous people out there because, you know, because of the particle accelerator incident. So, and let's add, I think, I'm sorry, if I may, what I, you know, we're, we're talking about the arrow. And, you know, how Felicity says we weren't the same way. The really good way that Arrow has done this, I think, and why I think there's a problem with this conflict, is you notice how Arrow, their conflicts don't get fixed in 30 minutes. Their conflicts tend to carry over multiple episodes and people just kind of deal with it and they either get better or they get worse over time. Whether it's Oliver's, uh, you know, how he occasionally will get <clears throat> excuse me, impulsive about something and not let people help him when they want to help him. You know, he has that issue with Diggle a lot. Um, and there's always days where that conflict is showing itself really, really bad or days where it's a little more under control versus here in the flash, they, they initiated the conflict and then it was just over. Hey, we're friends now in about 20 minutes. Well, and I well, think actually, that's I, there's been a, little a fake. lot of times on arrow where, because I remember, I remember Olympus episode, it was, I think, it was either the mid-season premiere or the episode after that uh, in season two, where Felicity came back from Central City, and Oliver was having uh, a problem with her because she, she, her head wasn't really in the game, um, because they were dealing with um, a lot of problems in Starting City, and and they, but I remember that you know they, they were they were 
bickering and fighting a lot that episode. But the last scene they have is they have a heart-to-heart. So Arrow has done this thing, too, that they resolve some of their issues um, quickly within just one episode. It depends on the character. Like, with Moira, for example, they actually had that issue go on between him and... uh, and Moira for at least five episodes before she died. So, but I understand. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that Arrow's done everything 110% right and, and the Flash isn't being Arrow enough. I'm just, I'm just saying from a comparison standpoint, if we're going to compare the problems the two groups have, I just think it's, you know, and yeah, there's going to be problems that last. I get the fact that there's going to be problems that last a long time. There's problems you can fix quickly. It just seemed... It just seemed like the writers went, okay, we need to we need to make sure that in this episode we show a little conflict. Let's let's figure out a way to do that just so we can tell people there's conflict and then least and then we can get that out of the way for one episode. And it's just the way it was executed, I thought, was just really fast and just didn't have a lot of good meat to it. That's all. Well, to that's me, all I was saying. reading – well, to me, I don't know if you did this, Adam, and we need to move on because we have so many other things we need to cover about this episode. But I was reading mostly between the lines because, you know, this episode was co-written by Jeff Johns who, look, if anyone knows – you know, it's either it, it's either him or Mark Wade who knows The Flash the best. And I – and and to me, I could look at it this way. If I was Barry and I was thinking like this, okay, I'm the fastest man alive. Cisco and Caitlin and Harrison, they didn't know me at all before this accident. They didn't know me when I was in a coma. What if I actually had gone mad and done crazy things? There would would need to be something to stop me. So maybe that's why he kind of accepted the fact that, okay, maybe I I could have been a danger. Maybe, you know, Cisco, you know, it's... Like I said, I, 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 Cisco did it as a repercussion in case something would go really bad. But Adam, like, how do you, like, do, would you, are you looking, you know, are you reading between the lines like I am, or do you think that it was underdeveloped? Well, I think Barry understood why Cisco developed the weapon. It's just like he said, why didn't you tell me right away? And, you know, it's kind of hard to get a read on how much time has passed between this episode and the pilot, so I don't know. I'm maybe... guessing just a few weeks. A few weeks, yeah, so Barry still doesn't, you know, they're, he's friendly with Team Flash, but he still doesn't know them that well. So, I mean, I kind of get why Cisco didn't tell him, but I think for Barry, it's just sort of, he, feel, he felt betrayed. But then by the end of the episode, he sort of, you know, reasoned it out, okay, yeah, maybe you did have good reasoning back there, and then you did just save my life. Yeah, it was kind of, the whole conflict concluded kind of quickly, but um, I, don't know, I just, I don't think that this is, this obviously, I don't think this is the end of, like, any of gonna be, they're they're going to have lots of arguments throughout the season. No, wait. Let me rephrase that. Not season. Seasons. Exactly. With, with a C. No, I'm kidding. With an S, of course. But let's talk about now Wenworth Miller as Captain Cold. Um, uh, hey, Scott, I know you haven't read Flash comics. I, I guess this was obviously your first time getting to see the character. Like, What did you think in terms of the visual effects, the tone of his character, his backstory, and so on? Well, I want to know more, um, you know, I, which is a good thing. That is, that's um, a good thing. That, that's what yeah. you're supposed to do. You're supposed yeah. to be left wanting more. Um, because, you know, it, it's interesting when he chose to kill and not to kill, um, including his last, um, you know, the, even there at the end where, you know, he could have really wreaked havoc on uh, the Flash, <laughs> since the Flash didn't take the gun out of his hand. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I think the casting was really good. I think the 
you know, as far as a comic villain is concerned uh, in the show, I think he he fits well. I and like I said, the most I think the best thing I can say about him is um, that I, I want to know more about him. I want to see what else he can do. I want to know what motivates him to do what he's doing and how that relates to his rivalry with the uh, with Barry. Um, and then there were, you know, if I can keep complaining, <laughs> well, um, too much. I was, hope. <laughs> there was a scene though, you know, when, you know, when he, uh, you know, he freezes that door and breaks through that door and that security guard runs up to him with a gun, which can kill. And as far as I know, uh, Captain Cold is not wearing body armor, including around his head. And the, there's the, this security officer with a gun standing right in front of him pointing it at him and all captain cold has to say is you want to end up like the door and the guy with the gun with the bullets runs off <laughs> so i was like okay i guess he's just that intimidating <laughs> but it, um yeah if i may really quickly it reminded me of a batman the animated series episode where these criminals are you know patrolling this house one of them opens the door and finds batman in there investigating but rather than fight him, he just closes the door and he's like, all clear. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, as far as Wentworth Miller is concerned, I think it was good casting. Um, I'd like to see them do a lot more with him. And since they didn't kill him at the end of this episode, I guess we're going to get to see a lot more of him. Scott, um, I was about to say, Scott, I mean, Adam, <laughs> what do you think? I thought that this was a really strong debut. I think Wentworth Miller really embodies sort of the blue-collar vibe that Captain Cold has from the comics. Um, they really demonstrate his intelligence well. Although, okay, he pulled out that high swell. I was sort of getting vibes of a Clock King just by, you know, he's always, like, referencing 180 seconds left, 150 seconds left. and uh, But, you know, you can tell that he's an intelligent guy. And yeah. I like how he's one of the first... I think, if I'm correctly, the first villain who sort of reasoned out what the Flash is, just going off, you know, like these blurry images and what he briefly saw of him. Um, I like that they still kept his kind of kind of moral code in the episode about killing. Although I did think that the TV show did take a few liberties. I'm not sure that the Captain Cold of the comics would have straight up killed a citizen like that. But, you know, you got to make some changes for the TV show. And um, I'm just glad that they finally introduced a villain who didn't have, you know, powers. natural powers. Yeah. Like they gave him the gun first. That, and, and see, that's something I know that um, I think that Scott was perhaps referring to a little bit earlier, which was, you know, getting away from the, the villain of the week format, in, including, you know, having, you know, another metahuman every week that is just, you know, a new individual. Um, um, am I correct, Scott? Yeah. And, you know, to Adam's point, um, as far as killing a civilian, I mean, I guess they took that liberty because the the writers are still, you know, getting across the whole idea that Barry has to to learn the limitations and and um, some of the things that come with having a superpower. In this case, you know, there was the moment they they cross paths for the first time, and he's he's trying to you know run out and grab everybody that Captain Cold's trying to freeze, and then there's that one guy he doesn't get reminding Barry that you're not going to be able to save everybody. And, you know, so I guess that was a, um, you know, as Adam was saying, that was kind of a, a unique turn they decided to use maybe for the point of just showing that, you know, Barry is still going to be learning as great as he is, as awesome as his power is, there's going to be things that don't work out and you can't save everybody. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes the hero needs to lose because if he always wins, 
it's not going to be a compelling story to follow. Because then we know that, okay, it doesn't matter. You, they could bring in Doomsday and he would still win. Yeah, They're, I mean, it's... That, it's, okay, it's, that was, by the way, a very extreme example, yeah. so I'm sorry. Well, I mean, it's a lot like Roger Ebert used to talk about when, you know, how... Oh, I know that guy. I, yeah, I, so when he would, I really don't. When he would, he's a movie sim- critic. Yeah, he's... Um, uh, he, well, yeah, and he, he just had a really good documentary made about his life, um, you know... Um, nice. Uh, not too long ago, but you know he talked about sometimes that frustration of going to a sports movie, and every you know, and maybe it's about basketball, and they make every single shot. Yeah, <laughs> they never <Boy>. miss. <laughs> and how you can't make movies like that and have people take you you know take you seriously when everybody who shoots makes the shot. <laughs> it's the same principle, you know. You can't have the good guy always win and win in every every which way. There has to be some bumps along the way. Now, something we also get a good hint of is the backstory of um, of Snart, and you know, for some, you know, for, for people like me and for Adam who knows the comics, especially the New Fifty Two comics, the mentioning of his sister. Supposedly, her name is still is still Lisa Snart, and uh, in the comic book, she is the rogue villain. Golden Glider, and personally, I hope they bring her in, and hopefully, it's uh, another Prison Break actor. <laughs> bring them I all think, together. I think there is definitely the possibility that we'll see her, but I don't want to see her for a little bit. You know what I mean? I kind of want you know Captain Cold to be the main snart we see, and even oh, yeah. if we do meet her, I don't want her to get her powers right away. I want something that this could happen a lot later down the line for the show. I agree. And um, and the thing <coughs> was that there were so many good moments in, with Leonard in this episode. I really enjoyed the one in the museum uh, where he, like, when he was, like, really tempting the Flash. And, well, there was a, there was this awkward moment when he was, when he handed a kid a gum. I was like, yeah, I don't know. If I was a parent and I saw my kid just getting gum from a stranger, I, w- I would be like, what are you doing to my kid? It was weird, but I think I, I kind of got the sense of what they were doing. I think they were trying to show that this guy isn't all bad. You know, he does have a nice side, you know, maybe not towards most adults, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, I there's, know, maybe there's, he has a soft spot towards kids. <laughs> there's some people you can go out at, you can go out and have a beer with. This is a guy you can go and have a share a piece of gum with. So I, look, here's the, and I'm going to be a hypocrite right now. Um, I would totally accept anything from a man that looks like him. Even if it's gum. And I... Well, well you know you know my my fascination with Miller. Right. But, um... And I, 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 I also want to say that the, the costume was really cool, by the way. I think it was a nice adaptation, and it doesn't look hokey, doesn't look cheesy, but it looks... Uh, it looks stable. It looks like something that, I, that a lot of people are gonna cosplay as in the future uh, at future comic cons. And look, I—that's actually a costume I could probably put together. <laughs> if yeah, I, I mean, the most complicated thing is making that gun look cool. Yeah, but I mean, I I, I really like the look of that gun because yeah, you know, that, in the comics, his gun is kind of a little bit more pistol sized and, and for smaller. sure, like yeah, smaller. So. You know, for a show like The Flash, that might not necessarily work. But, you know, they 
they juiced it up a little. They made it bigger. They made it look like a, a good combination between a sci-fi device and something you know in our everyday life you might just see being worked on in a lab. So I thought it looked good. And I, yeah. I and I want to talk about this because you know I don't want to forget about it. I, I think we, we will go like this this week. Um, the final the final confrontation scene where they where Barry has to save those people on the train. Oh my God, those were some amazing, amazing effects. That was unbelievable. Seeing him, you know, going back and forth, back and forth, saving each individual individual person inside a train, especially when he went to save that woman because he was jumping in between the cards in the, in the train, which was pretty cool. And it's... Like, the budget for the show must be insane. Well, you know, uh... They need to maintain that. They mean they need to maintain like those great special effects for the show. So you know, I think they're just they're pulling out all the stops. And did you? Did, how did you guys feel about that um, that action scene? It worked. It was yeah, like it was it was a weirdly I wouldn't say disorienting scene. It was just weird, you know, the the train is tipped over and Barry's just sort of speeding in and out, rescuing everybody. Visually, it looked great though. It was it, it was a one of Maybe one, like maybe the best rescue scene we'll get on the show, but you know, who knows? Maybe we'll get something better. But um, no, but I was that I just loved it like crazy. To um, for me, it was it was like one of the best scenes in Flash so far. And the thing was that the you know the interaction that Leonard Snart had with the Flash, and you know, seeing how Barry was saving all those people, it it felt like seeing comic pages coming to life. It felt like I, seeing, like, you know, I feel like I've seen this somewhere in the combos, and it just works. Yeah, they, they they probably pulled something similar, but I get what you mean, sort of like the way everything is just sort of placed together. It's almost like you could have seen that, you know, in different panels in the pages of a comic book. And, you know, especially when you have someone like Jeff Johns writing for, you know, writing these episodes, you know that he's probably pulling from some of his old work, which, you know, I have no problems with because, look, anything that is Jeff Johns, I will buy, I will <laughs> read, I will love. He's a great writer. Yeah. But, um, unless, you know, and, you know, because we're probably going to, I would probably forget to mention it if we don't do it now. But the final scene of Leonard is that he. Makes it. He makes a visit to an old friend that we don't really get to see, but um, he he brings with him a certain weapon that we saw in, in the episode, and this asks him that he needs a new crew for you know to you know to take control of the Central City, and um, ladies and gentlemen, we got our first tease of Heatwave. Heatwave and the Rogues, and and the Rogues, yeah. I I can't wait for the day Cisco probably it's probably gonna be Cisco who names him the Rogue and Captain Cold is gonna be like yeah I like that he also seemed to like the nickname uh, Captain Cold yeah he smiled when he heard it <laughs> he, he's like I'm getting this name on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook like I'm getting this mother right now <laughs> it kind of reminded it reminded me a little bit of when last season in Arrow when Slade Wilson first heard the Deathstroke nickname. Yeah. He kind of had a similar reaction. But yeah, uh, 
I thought it was really because you know Leonard turned away that heat weapon just like really quickly. He's like, I don't want to heat things up. I want to slow things down. But yeah, as you see in the episode, you still see it's not only used for the weapon, but used for his uh, his old pal Mick. Because uh, yeah, like he said, things didn't go well last time for them, but he's putting together a new crew, and uh, you know he knows how much Mick loves fire. <laughs> and he, you'll be seeing him in episode ten. Uh, which will be, right. m- which will most likely be the season mid-season premiere of the Flash, and um, yeah, he's gonna be played by Dominic Purcell, who played Wendell Miller's brother on Prison Break. So, a Prison Break re- reunion. Will they break out of a prison this time? Maybe. Iron Heights, you better get that checked. One last thing I want to point out about Wendell Miller, and this is mostly for uh, who for anyone who watches Prison Break, I s- sensed a lot of Michael Schofield in them. Um, Miller's portrayal of Snart because uh, Michael it was a very calculating and very smart character on the show, very much like Snart. Um, uh, he wasn't as wild as Snart was, but they 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 were both really smart. I I even think that it, that Michael had like like a f- photographic memory that he you know he was able to store so much in his head when he went into break his rather out of the prison and so on so i really like that and um i he is my favorite villain so far of the show and i can't wait to see him in episode 10 i'm looking forward to it now let's talk some barry and felicity and uh, arrow fans out there are probably gonna hate me a lot for saying this but i i'm not ashamed of my opinion i like felicity a lot more with barry than with oliver as a romantic interest. Well, the two definitely have more in common. And since, you know, since Oliver is so emotionally fractured, I could, uh, I could, I could definitely see Barry and Felicity together more than I can see, you know, Oliver and Felicity, even though they did tease that in the season premiere. But yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, what did you think, Scott? I may not in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> uh, it you know i it doesn't really phase me one way or another um you know it it's um it, it was kind of it was kind of nice to have felicity come to uh central city you know she gets she gets to be kind of a bigger part of the show um get to see her a little more you know interact with people and talk more than having to be primarily uh in the room saying all the funny things she says uh, and she works some of that into this one too um, but as far as, you know, who she ends up with, you know, um, <laughs> I'm kind of ambivalent about it. I mean, I think, I think, uh, what they do in Arrow is, you know, they, they keep Oliver human by, um, showing that he, ha- of course, obviously as a guy is going to have romantic interests, but then the moment he gets, starts to go down that route, there's always something that reminds him, dude, if you, if you do this, you're, you're going to be. You know the the risk of everything you're dealing with right now gets taken to another level, and you've already been through it multiple times. So you know, with Oliver, sometimes it's it's much more about you know temptation, and then being reminded that his life just rarely makes it makes it even possible. So um, you know, I it, it'll just be interesting to see if that ever actually develops with anybody. And but I really enjoyed seeing her interact with Iris and Eddie. I really liked. Um, the trivia pursuit date, if you want to call it a date. Yeah, I was going to ask if you were going to be tempted to name 
this podcast episode E equals MC Hammer? Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> heck no. Um, Do it. No. Holland uh, is going rogue. So... You boys get so excited sometimes. Subtitle E equals MC Hammer. Okay, fine. We can going rogue equals E equals MC Hammer. And Sorry, I was as I was as confused as Eddie at first. And by, by the way, Iris is right. He is so adorable when he's confused. But I'm sorry, he didn't know the the name of Han Solo's ship. Yeah, that's bad. That that is that's a huge minus to me. Unacceptable. But hey, you know what? The Golden Boy can have everything. He has the looks. He has the perfect girl. He has a gr- great job. He's well, what? Well, it 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 is possible for somebody to be that in the dark. I have experience with this. I uh, I uh, am sometimes known, you know, uh, when I uh, am working somewhere and have an office to have have it loaded with Star Wars stuff. And I had a, just a pretty good sized job of the hut. <laughs> On this shelf, oh, and I literally and I literally had this woman walk in that worked there, really nice lady, came in, looked at it, and said, "So, what's this dragon looking thing that you've got <laughs> here?" She, she did. And oh e- my god! And even, and even when I said that's Job of the Hut, she's like, "Who's that?" <laughs> well, it's, it sure as hell is not a dragon, but yeah, uh, and, and clearly Eddie hasn't been following the Star Wars Episode Seven news. Clearly, so, but, uh, um, but um, no, but I that was a fun double date. It was definitely a lot better than the double date that um, Oliver and Helena had with uh, Laurel and Tommy in the first season. That just went woo. But um, and Iris keep you know keeping telling, keep, you know keeps keeps. Keep telling Barry that oh you should get together with her you know why are you not well she was essentially hitting saying you know why are you not hitting that well I mean I actually as opposed to all that I actually thought working Felicity's unique sense of humor into all that tease was even better you know like at one point in time she looks at Barry and she goes I want to see it your speed your speed I want to see your speed like everything she <laughs> says then, is a sexual innuendo and then, yeah and then later she goes says something about going to your you know, going to her, she's going to go to her her hotel, and then she says, "You should too." And she goes, "Not back to my hotel, back to wherever you go." <laughs> <laughs> and um, and by the way, yowza at that dress. Uh, and the first thing Eddie says, you know, Iris, you should get, you should buy that dress. It's like, if I yeah, was, was Iris, just... I was like, I'm sorry, you you're you're like I because he was looking at another woman who's like, uh, like seriously, if. I was if I hadn't zoomed in, I swear he could have probably been drooling at that point. Hell of an outfit just... towards trivia night. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I was waiting for just to say something. Oh, this is like I, just something I threw on. <laughs> no, Felicity isn't that kind of girl. But it's like, why would she bring that dress to Central City? I thought she was just going to stay there for like one day and just hang out with Barry. But then she, it was like, just in case someone invites me to a party or whatever, I'll bring this dress or trivia pursued at a coffee shop. But uh, that was uh, some a lot of great dynamics, and also with Team Flash, she had she had two great roles in this episode. One, she was kind of a mentor to Team Flash, and um, yeah, and um, she was also it was all good to see her reconnect with Barry and kind of continue that romance. And once again, we now know why Episode Eight of the Flash is going to be called Flash for this era because Oliver's going to find out that uh, that uh, Barry kissed her, and he's going to be pissed. No. I, if it happens, oh my lord. Well, one thing I just want to quickly point out, and this isn't even going, you know, because 
Barry and Felicity have romantic interest in each other. I could see at you know this could happen. I could definitely see Felicity maybe jumping over to the Flash cast at some point if something happens in Arrow that you know she just thinks, all right, you know what, I've had enough. I need I need space. You know, she comes to Central City and uh, she she fits in with the tone of the Flash well. So I could see her maybe briefly becoming more of a recurring character. I don't, well, I don't think I don't think she's gonna. Go or it could happen. It's not not like this season. But no, no, no. I I'm just saying in the long term. I don't think it's gonna happen. But I think Arrow needs Felicity because she is kind of the comedic part of the show. Yes. Yeah. And look, Arrow is becoming so dark. Um, it's not a criticism, but it's just the fact that Arrow, like out of these two shows, Flash is the bright one, Arrow is the dark one, and right now, you know. Tonight, the 50th episode of Arrow is going to air, and we know who's coming to Central City, not Central City, Starting City, Mr. Raz Agul. So, they need Felicity on Arrow. We, you know, we have Cisco, we have Caitlin, we have Harrison, we have Iris, we have all these comedic characters to join Flash and make the show bright and funny and so on. So, I think that the best thing would be to have Felicity where she started at, in Arrow. That's, yeah, you're right, that's a good point. Uh, but I, I must, it's not impossible. It could happen. But it's uh-huh. like I don't think if I was an ex- if I was an executive producer well. of the Fla- of the Flash or Arrow, I would say no. Felicity stays on Arrow. Yeah, I mean, I think I think your point is one hundred and ten percent spot on from the standpoint that Arrow is so dark. There is so much tragedy. There is so much turmoil that Felicity is there partly to. Um, you know, give everybody a laugh and loosen up the tension every once in a while just because it is uh, such a different environment. And that's a very important role to play. And, I mean, have you seen um, any research, either one of you, that that has um, – that shows how much – maybe I don't want to say percentage, but um, do most fans of Arrow – are they all on board, or most of them on board with the Flash, or do you have some that like Arrow better and don't dig the Flash? Oh my and, God. and because I, I asked that because you know if you were to take Felicity out of that equation, I think there would be Arrow fans riding in the streets because <laughs> I, I rarely come across anybody that doesn't love her on the show. Uh, I think oh that's that's a that's a good question. That that's uh, I have a quick yeah. Um, it's not official. I would say, you know, th- there probably are statistics. I would imagine that most Arrow fans are on board for the Flash, but I don't think that all new Flash viewers are necessarily going to be watching Arrow just because, you know, it's three seasons in. Yeah. They'd have to play catch up, but that's yeah. just mine. And I-, I know a lot of people who said to me, have, who have been asking me on Twitter, should I watch Arrow? Should I get into Arrow because Flash is part of Arrow? I said, yeah, of course you should get into Arrow. Um, but like, if, you, if you're wondering in terms of, do I need to watch Arrow to get Flash? I'm like, no, you can watch the Flash as its own show. Um, well, yeah. I mean, but you, you should but... watch the, uh, the Arrow, not the Arrow, Arrow. Oh my God, all the duh. Uh, so, <laughs> but what were you going to say, Scott? I was going to say, I mean, it might be in your best interest if you wanted to do that to see if – go ahead and finish the first half of The Flash and then during the break between the fall and spring season just, you know, binge watch yeah. <laughs> the Arrow and get caught up. So you're not having to juggle the two simultaneously. Yeah, just like Scott. And also, if you're looking for another great hour of television – if if you don't do if you're not doing anything at eight p.m. on Wednesday nights, 
I would watch Arrow. I, like, I don't go out on, on Wednesday nights or Tuesday nights. I always stay at home and I'm in front of my television screen with my <laughs> computer and, you know, watching Flash and Arrow and so on and so on. But uh, but let's um, move on. We, have, we need to speed through some of these topics now that we have left. Uh, we talked about Team Flash development. The one thing I want to bring up is Harrison's reaction when Cisco revealed that he had this cold gun and that he went missing. First of all, where was that? Well done, Cisco! Well done! Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I know we joke about that, but if anything deserved a sarcastic clap, it would be that, <laughs> you think. Like, you, 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 you blew it up! You messed it up! Uh, but, oh my god, Tom Cavanaugh being pissed off, that was so creepy. And it's like, here, we need to ask ourselves this. Was he angry at Cisco because he was angry because there was someone out there trying to stop the Flash that was part of the team? Or was he angry at Cisco because he let the weapon get away because he wanted that weapon to be with them? Because of the nature of Harrison Wells' character, you know, he's from the future. You know, I would imagine... Because I, I have to think that, you know, he's from the future. He knows about the Flash. He probably knows about Captain Cold and his villains. So I'm leaning tor- more towards the fact that the gun just was stolen in the first place. I know, he, okay, he says he was angry that Cisco created the gun. But, you know, just deep down who Harrison Wells truly is. The fact that the gun was stolen in general. And, you know, what made his anger for, you know, because... He was, you know, he was obviously just angry at Cisco for creating the thing. But for the audience, we know that anger can get a lot worse because uh, he's going around stabbing people. So it was a little bit extra frightening. But I, I'm starting to think that aspect. I, I'm starting to think that he is protecting Barry. I don't think he is evil. Um, I feel there is he's doing it in this twisted own way, but I think he's out to protect Barry, honestly. Well, and that could be for good or bad reasons still. Because what it seems to me, he is from the future, so he is trying to drive this bus to a certain point in time with certain things intact and certain things in place. What that is, we don't know, and why we're trying to get to that point, we don't know, and if that point's good or bad, we don't know. So he could still be trying to protect Barry for the wrong reasons, but at the end of the day, you mess with his plan or you screw with something that might not get him to wherever he thinks this is going, then he takes extreme measures. So I, he very well may be trying to protect Barry, but that still may not be for the best reasons. I mean, if there's anything I think this show does really, really well, it's keep us guessing about <laughs> what the heck Dr. Wells is up to. Yeah. And they got a great guy playing him. And uh, but yeah, I would I I think since he is from the future, he is trying to drive this bus to a certain point in time for a certain reason, and we just don't know why or where it's going yet. Yeah, but and it's such a he's such a cool character, and I I'm, one thing I want to add about Harrison was that it was so badass to see Felicity be, be such a fangirl of Harrison. She was like Doctor Wells, D Doctor Wells, oh my god. He's a big figure in the science community, so and of, for... and of course he knew everything about her. Um, I'm like, yeah, you either you Google that mother or you you you, you know her from the future. No, Felicity Smoke becomes president in 2024. 
Hey, it could happen. It could happen. Yeah. She goes from computer science to politics. Yeah. And she... I don't know. But uh, <laughs> let's talk... Um, okay, we talked about Team Flash. And, and also, by the way, something I want to point out as an Easter that I noticed with the whole Cisco thing was that in the comic books in the New 52, Vibe is one of the characters that can actually stop the Flash. So it was kind of like... it. Well, even though this, the, the cold gun wasn't exactly what he used in the comic books to stop Flash, because... He has powers in the comics. It's kind of like a good illusion that Cisco could be one of those people that could potentially stop the Flash, or maybe even reverse Flash at some point because of his brilliant mind. Right. So there was there was just sort of a sense of irony because the guy in the comics who can is one of the people who are capable of stopping the Flash is the one who cre- who created the gun in the show who can which can stop the Flash. Scott, if I may, can can I recommend you to pick up uh, a volume called Just League of America's Vibe? Uh, it's it's twelve issues collected in one, and it and it's like the origin story of Cisco Ramon becoming Vibe. Uh, I think you would really like it. Okay. Um, you know what? I'll I may, see what I can do. I, maybe I can get it for you for Christmas. Um, <laughs> oh no, you don't have to do that. We got tons of comic book stores around here. Plus, you have Comicsology and stuff like that, which I'm sure has that stuff. So yeah. I, I can track I, it down I, I for sure. I was Christmas. You better get me something nice. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm not ready to start thinking about Christmas yet, Andy. <laughs> but it's it's like 2014 is almost over. But okay, let's let's get, go get on with this. And um, but I think we pretty much covered most of the things. Um, let's get to Easter egg. Well, okay, wait. There's there's the the Iris at the. Uh, Joe thing, yeah, that that felt like it came out of nowhere basically because like last week he seemed to be somewhat okay with it, but um, but he's but the thing is that Jesse L. Martin is not the typical father on television. He is like you actually kind of support him when he was having these grudges against Eddie and Iris because one it was one he was concerned about Eddie because what happens a day. When Eddie gets hurt, or worse, he dies, and he has to come home and tell his daughter that my partner, but your boyfriend, died today. Yeah, I think this is something you know where where I had criticism in one area. I think this is another area where things are are better. Um, you know that 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 this is not a situation that's that's simple. That they can't just say, "Oh, dad, we're dating," and dad says, "Okay, it's fine," and all is well that ends well. It would be um, unrealistic if a father yeah. was not upset I mean, his daughter. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I I like how they laid that out. I like how you know he said, "Look, you know, I mean, how how will I even speak to you? How will you ever speak to me if somehow, some way, you may feel if he dies or gets hurt that I could have done more about it, or you think?" That because I'm so angst-ridden over the fact that he's dating my daughter that maybe I didn't do as much as I could. I mean, that is a real problem um, in, the situ- in that situation, and I think it's good to point out. Um, and again, I, you know, we, we said a couple weeks ago that this is something that could cause more problems um, down the road, along with the fact that we heard Iris say no more secrets, which secrets is definitely something that both shows share and, and the uh, consequences of secrets. And then, of course, at the same time, Iris is creating a blog 
to follow the whereabouts of the Flash. <laughs> By the way, I spent like two hours last night, like googling, you know, to see if they they had actually made that website available. Because I know some t- TV shows they sometimes they break the fourth wall and actually have some of these sites out there, you know, so that people can read what the character is doing. And um, but sadly, there's no streak. Not yet. Com- well. GoDaddy.com. No, I'm kidding. But um, but uh, but yeah, at least they did solve that partly. And um, and but I I do, I do love the scene by the way in in the car with Eddie and Joe where Eddie says, "Let's listen to music," and it's all love songs. He's like, "Let's have some quiet time." That reminded me of wasn't there a similar scene in a movie with Ice Cube and Ashton Kutcher? where he was dating his daughter and they both got in the car and flipped the stations and the same thing was happening. I don't know. I don't watch Ashton. <laughs> I've, I've, I tr- yeah, I've seen that trope before. You're, you're right. But uh, and I like Eddie. He's becoming a very cool character. And I, if you're noticing, he's, I think he's growing out a beard, perhaps. I mean, I don't know about, about the, you know, like I said, we, we have seen the radio thing before, but I did like the creative way that Joe... <laughs> chose not to talk to him, you know, about being uh, being friends, you know. Yeah. I share that story with you. No, you've never shared that story with you. Oh, well, that's because we're, we're not, not friends. <laughs> oh, my God. Jesse Elmar, he is so powerful in any scene. And it's, look, if, <sighs> I, I wish we could have him in the comic books, but because they've already introduced Iris's dad in the comics, it, it's, it's not possible, and it's and like in the comic books, it's there's a there's a big distinct this thing with difference there. So, um, it's not a good one because in the comics, Iris's dad is a jerk, and um, to put it, it lightly, yeah, to put it, he's a jackass. He's a drunken jackass who hits his kids. Yeah. So, and that's not good. Um, but. Do we have anything else to say about this episode before going on to feedback from our listeners? It, I, I think overall this was a very solid episode. It's my favorite episode of the season so far. Um, mostly because Wentworth Miller is such a great actor and he really got into what is Captain Cold from the comic books. The smoothness, the intelligence, and the personality. And... That I couldn't have asked for more, and he had a parka and a cold gun and the goggle. It's like, what else can I ask for? Captain Cold's spin-off show. Well, let's give him a few more episodes to antagonize <laughs> the Flash before he gets his own show. But um, do you have? Do you guys have any, anything else to bring up? Uh, well, there are a couple Easter eggs that I think are worth pointing out. Okay, uh, obviously, obviously, you know. The thing that Captain Cold was trying to steal during the episode was the Kandak Diamond. Uh, Kandak is, of course, and I'm probably mispronouncing that, but Kandak is, the, of course, the fictional DC Comics country where Shazam villain Black Adam hails from. Uh, you know, well, part of me was hoping that Black Adam would fly in there and uh, beat up Captain Cold in the episode, but, you know. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think they could afford The Rock right now. Right. Um... But, and but it, it was a good reference. Uh, what else did we have? Well, the truck that uh, Snart and his crew were stealing from at the beginning of the episode had the logo Black Hawk Squad Security. And the, Bla- the Black Hawk 
is a reference to the Black Hawks from the comics, who are an elite group of fighter pilots from World War II. Is that a reference of Arrow last, from the first season of Arrow? The, uh, Diggle's mentor, something like that, was part of. Yes, uh, I don't remember who what the, what the character's name was. Oh, he was the guy he, who was he, on... he was useless, and it, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, it was it was an actor from uh, Starkade SG One. Yeah. No, but he I think he worked for the same Blackhawk uh, security company. So you're right. Good continuity. Yeah, uh, I'm getting some of these uh, Easter eggs from ComicBook.com, and this is one of the most obscure ones. There was a character, you know, okay, the guy who was hosting Trivia Night at Jitters in the episode is apparently named Oswald Loomis, who is, in the comics, is the supervillain, Superman villain, the prankster. Wait, did we actually ever hear the name Oswald? Maybe they, I don't know, maybe they only said his first name, but I highly doubt that they're bringing the prankster onto this show, especially when you have a character called the trickster you can bring on. (laughs) Oh my god, the trickster v. prankster. Yeah, it's basically the same shtick. The the trickster v. The prankster Dawn of Justice. Yeah, oh, they, they can't do that unless they bring the jokester along with them. <laughs> I, I have no words. Um, no, I, I, I don't know who the jokester is anyway. Yeah. No, that um, was... Uh, it's not a real character. I was oh, okay. <laughs> I was continuing the trend. Uh, what making el- a bad, make, speaking of joke, making a bad one at that. <laughs> uh, what else, Adam? Um, not really much. We, of course, we already discussed that, uh, that really cool ending with heat waves. So they're hinting that, uh, more flash villains are to come. And of course, you know, Snart is building a new crew. So that we're going to be getting the road soon. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, I, I'm wondering though, if he's going to build himself another cold gun. Oh, wait, they, wait, wait, they said that he dropped out of high school, so they were questioning if he was actually able to do something like that, but... Yes, but I, if they follow the comics, I do remember a story where Captain Cold said he learned how to assemble and reassemble that gun until he could do it with his eyes closed. So we know that Leonard Snart is intelligent, so maybe he will get to a point where, you know, he studied the gun so much to a point where he can sort of maybe not necessarily create a replica, but at least kind of repair his gun if it's ever damaged. I, 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 there was one point in this episode for me where I kept thinking that he was actually just going to go into a golem mode and be like, I'll process, you know, because he, he seemed to love that gun so much. And by the way, yeah, people freak out when they hear my golem voice. Um, apparently I'm doing a good impersonation by a lot of people. It's a very good impression. Sorry. I haven't slept at all, so I'm kind of hyperactive <laughs> today. But uh, I'm going to give this episode a 5 out of 5. It's It was a lot stronger than episode 2 and 3, for sure. Mostly because of Captain Cole and Felicity Smoke. And, um, yeah, it, it lived up to my expectation and then some. So... That's all I have to say about it. I'm going to go with uh, 9 out of 10 because, you know, the stuff that did bother me didn't wasn't enough to just ruin the episode as a whole for me. It was a great episode, I think. One of the best we've seen so far. And Scott? Um, before I get to that, I wanted to mention, too, I, I, I wondered if I, I saw the uh, 52 Easter egg for this episode. What was that? I know. 
I noticed that I think if I remember correctly, it was the number written on the locker that they were pulling the gun from had 52 on it. Uh, of <laughs> I, course. I uh, good, <laughs> good idea. They, they, like, okay, Dan the Dio, we get it. You love the new yeah, 52. Right. Stop telling Jeff Johns to put in the new 52. In it. Like, no, I, Dan the Dio, he's cool. But um, um, what, what is I, your grade? Uh, B minus. B minus. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, let's move over to some uh, listener feedback because you because you guys are speedy listeners. We want you to be part of the show every week. So Scott is going to read a couple of tweets and um, Adam's going to read a few emails. So um, Scott, what did the Twitterverse have to say? Well, first off, uh, Crispy47 says, Love the bit with Felicity. Amazed at Heat Wave. Um, K Diddy five ninety one said, "Excellent episode, great villain, great dialogue, advancement of the plot." A A A A A A A plus plus. Six A's. How's that for a grade? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How is that? <laughs> um, CW Flash Central says, "Love the Bart name drop. Visual effects were amazing. Cisco shined. Uh, Central City was chill and smoking. Looking forward to cold and heat." Yeah and, I, I, yeah, and just a quick mention about yes. Cisco is that I love that Carl Lavelle actually got to go a little bit deeper into his his character this week. Uh, it was he wasn't just a comedic relief character; he was actually a deep character that he that he you know he's he's starting to realize you know okay, not everything is super cool. You know there you know there are consequences. So, good point. Green Claude underscore Wit says, "Just so hashtag Flashtastic. Cold starts a new. I'm sorry. Cold starts a crew, and Flash team gets tight. Things are certainly heating up in a wave. <laughs> you get it? Yes. <laughs> uh, Nasha Love Five SOS says, "Oh my God, it was amazingly badass mixed with freaking awesome." That may not make sense, but who cares? <laughs> it was good. It was that good. <laughs> Hashtag the flash. <laughs> KDC underscore 24 says, this show outdoes itself week by week. It's a 23-episode season. How awesome is that? I will re-watch episodes week after week. Jet Jacket says, enjoying it more every week. The Flash is going from two dimensions in a book to many dimensions on our screens. Rockman underscore two says, loved it. Really getting hooked on the show. More crossovers, please. Mike Schmidt 09 says, loving the rogue setup. Really felt for Cisco when his mistake came to light. Also, Captain Cold was superb. And remember, guys, make sure to check out Mike Schmidt's um, Flash Oprah because he wrote our theme song for this podcast. So make sure to check out SoundCloud.com slash Flash Oprah. Mike, we love your songs. Borderline Hoppa says, The guy cast as Captain Cold was great. Barry and Felicity have electric chemistry, and I wish I could see more. I like the, pet to- the pep talk the Flash team got from the Arrow veteran. Little cheesy but perfect for the Flash. Alex underscore Chapman says, Love tonight's episode. Felicity was great. Going deep into Cisco's character was interesting. 
Craigamus Max says, I find it hard to believe Cold would just let Cisco and the others live after threatening him like that. Also, he had the Flash dead to rights at the museum in their second encounter. So why not kill them then? Still love the episode. Well, Captain Cole, he has a code and the combo, so... But uh, well, yeah, the show would be over. In, yeah. <laughs> but he's more interested in the score than just killing. So I, I kind of get his reasoning for not just. Yeah. He was feeling generous. Not. Killing I think Barry. they're gonna flesh that out. And by the way, how awesome was it when Cisco said that? Oh, this is not even a weapon. It's it's a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, just a deck yeah, vacuum cleaner. I I fell off the couch when he said. I was like, <laughs> Are you kidding me? I thought that was like another vibrates sonic device or whatever. But it was a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, it's just good that Captain Cole didn't say, go ahead, make my day. Yeah. <laughs> because then it would have gotten a little awkward. <laughs> It'd be like, but, but you really don't want me to use this gun. <laughs> uh, what, what's up? What's next? Lauren underscore Galloway says, the fla- uh, becoming my new favorite show. I love Barry and Felicity. Wells is scary. So excited for what's next. Start 5150, or I'm just, I'm assuming that's start, it's S-T-R-T 5150, says, Amazing, the final scene between Felicity and Barry about opposites attract is beyond realistic. No one, <laughs> Twy Fanpire, <laughs> says. Fanpire, oh my god, that's the... <laughs> That's a good this is it's almost as entertaining as I attempt to <laughs> spell some of these out, I think. Um, they say it's amazing, best episode so far, all because of Felicity Smoke and Grant Gustin. They are amazing together. Missing Stars 89 says, one of my favorite episodes by far. Loved the, vil- the villain, the Felicity crossover, the pacing. It was a great episode overall. And finally, Indigo underscore 15 says, I loved the effects in the train rescue sequence and the Barry slash Felicity scenes. Wentworth Miller was brilliant. Word. So there you go. And by the way, there's another tweet that I just wanted. I forgot to add it in the document, but it's from my good friend Rebecca Johnson at Derby Kid, and she said, really love the emphasis on Barry having friends and going rogue. And, I, and I'm glad it's open for Captain Cole to return. And I I agree on every front on that. So um, I forgot to add a tweet. I'm sorry. but um, It's okay. Uh, but yeah, great tweets from all of you guys. And we had... I, we had like 30 or 30 or 35 tweets, so it was so hard to pick, you know, which which tweets to be included. But uh, but uh, but we also had some emails. So Adam, you're up. This first email comes to us from Shelley. She says, "Great episode tonight. Love Captain Cold, played by the one and only Wentworth Miller. I was a huge Prison Break fan, and to see that ending with Dominic Purcell's voice was amazing." Anyways, I kept questioning why Wells was mad at Cisco because the gun could hurt Barry, and then I thought of this. There are a lot of rumors that he could be the reverse Flash, so I was thinking that he wasn't mad that it would hurt because it would hurt Barry, he was mad because it could hurt slash kill him. I think that makes him seem more likely to be the reverse Flash or a partner of his, maybe. Yes, Barry was mad, too, but I could tell Wells was more mad than Barry was. I love your podcast. Keep up the great work. Aw, thank you, Shelly. And by fact, thank you, awesome, Shelly. And awesome that you love Prison Break. Definitely. And yeah, I kind of agree with her. Uh, Wells wanted to, you know, Wells is trying to protect Barry, so to have a weapon out there is just, it's bad. 
Well, here's my question. We we already have um we already seen photos of reverse flash, right? Andy, you shared those? Um, um actually, no. actually no. Okay. I, that was a huge But they are, out they are out there. Oh, okay. And I So I, do we know when he's supposed to appear for the first time? No idea. Because I'm because I'm assuming that's going to play a huge role because I think as we've just said that that the whole um, mystery behind Dr. Wells and uh, the unique element he brings to the team uh, is something that people are intrigued by and is working for them. So I'm assuming that if he, unless he keeps, you know, makes this a secret identity thing, I would think that, you know, revealing him to be reverse flash too soon might take away from a really good element they have already on in this group. Yeah, I, I'm not going to get too much into the, um, the set photos um, because it, it's a huge spoiler. But yeah, there are photos out there of a reverse Flash. No idea who it is, but I think it's something we may see in the mid-season finale. But um, but uh, but you know, but we need to start, uh, we need to move on. So um, as Adam, what, what's the what's the our other email? Uh, the other email comes to us from Maddie. She says, by far my, my favorite my episode, episode tonight, tonight. Wentworth Miller is Miller. killing it as Captain Cold. He makes one hell of a villain. The action scenes were unreal along with the, via, the visual effects. The whole crew outdoes themselves every week. Major props to Armin and John Kraut, Chad Bellamy, and the stunt team. I have no words for that train-saving sequence. Felicity and Barry were too adorable. Those awkward, adorable dork moments were the best. Iris and Joe scenes... Little heart symbol next to it. Uh, glad Cisco got redemption and went to save Barry. He definitely needed that to feel better. Nice to see Team Flash out in the field, and finally, the final scene. Not gonna lie, I jumped and yelled when I heard Dominic's voice. As a huge Prison Break fan, that made me extremely happy. I don't know if that was his voice. It sounded very different from, from Dominic because he has a very like. He, guys, I'm not kidding. He has an extremely deep voice, like. Like, I would go to YouTube and look up Dominic Purcell, and you will hear it how deep it is, because that didn't sound like him at all. And that sounded very malicious in a way. And um, that's not really how Dominic sounds like, but I don't know. We, I, I'm not sure if we, that was him, but do you guys think that was Dominic, or do you think it was someone else? Well, when I uh, first read the cast announcement that he was going to be on, I thought I read something about how he would be heard from in this episode, so I think it was Dominic. Maybe he was just adjusting his voice a little bit. Yeah, I guess. Um, but great email from you, Maddie. Um, uh, she's she has she's been a fun listener to have since I since uh, my some of my other podcasts that I've done. So nice to have her on board for the Flash too. So, um, but guys, thank you all so much for all the emails and tweets. Uh, we love reading feedback and getting back to what you guys think about each episode and for supporting the podcast so if you want to have your thoughts read on the podcast each week uh, tweet us at the flash podcast or email us at the flash podcast at gmail.com and we will read it on the show and um we're gonna start wrapping things up because we need to get to a spoiler section and um and uh first off adam where can people find us like where can people find the podcast and so on Social media-wise, people can find us, you know, obviously the main places at Facebook or Facebook.com slash The Flash Podcast. We also have a Facebook group also called The Flash Podcast, so uh, just ask to join and we'll accept you. Uh, Twitter at The Flash Podcast. 
On Google Plus, you can find us on the Flash Fan Circle, run by Hank of TV Fanatic. Uh, you can, if you want to, just contact us directly. You can email us at the Flash Podcast, or sorry, email us at the Flash Podcast at gmail dot com. And of course, if you just want to go to the main source for everything that is the Flash pod- Podcast, just go to theflashpodcast dot com. Hell yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, and you know, guys, one way you can one one of the great ways you can support uh, our podcast and us is by rating and reviewing us, as well as subscribing to us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Um, if you guys give us you know great reviews and you know high stars and so on, it makes them more it makes us more noticeable in the iTunes store, so more people can find the podcast because not everyone uses Twitter and Facebook and Google Plus, so. And we we really want to hear what you guys think about the show, what we can do to improve it, if there's anything we need to improve, and what you love most about the show, and what you think about The Flash Season 1 so far. And um, we want to thank some of our great sponsors and friends at TV Tag. Uh, you can follow them on Twitter at TV Tag, as well as on their Flash account at TV Tag Flash. Um, the Mi- we want to thank the Mixed Radio Network. We go live every Wednesday afternoon uh, on the Mixed Radio Network, and... Um, I also want to thank Sap to it. Great website, saptoit.com. And uh, also our good friends over at the Stream TV, at the Stream TV on Twitter, and you can find our YouTube channel on, well, YouTube. And <laughs> and, uh, and also don't forget to check out Mike Schmidt's Flash Opera at soundcloud.com slash Flash Opera. And um, Scott, where can people find your work on the internet? Primarily at uh, assemblyofgeeks.com. Uh, it's the podcast that I produce and host with two other people and um, we're also on iTunes and Stitcher and Xbox Live and uh, or the Xbox Marketplace and uh, several other places where people get content. Uh, this week's show with it being the week of Halloween we spend some time talking about death and darkness in our stories <laughs> and uh, you know with, with it being popular these days to uh, make something dark and gritty. We talk about when it works and when it doesn't. And uh, when characters die, whether it's meaningful or just plain fl- frustrating, you think of like um, Wash and Serenity. You know, we all thought that was kind of a meaningless death, for example. We talk about, you know, when that works and when it doesn't. And uh, so that's at uh, assemblyofgeeks.com and on Twitter at Geeks Assemble. And I'm on Twitter at Mr. Scott Murray. And Adam, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, Twitter is the best way to find my work. I'm at Mr. Adam Holmes. That's where I publish all of my articles for cinemablend.com. Uh, I actually just wrote an article right after the episode last night about the Heatwave cameo and what his addition and you know the eventual appearance of the Rogues means for the show. So uh, just head to the TV section of cinemablend.com and uh, give it a read. Yeah, and guys, re- make sure to really check out both of these guys' work. They do great stuff. Uh, Scott with his podcast and Adam with uh, his new job at Cinema Blend. They're doing great stuff. And you can find me on Twitter at Anibibacht. Uh I just don't bother with the mister because I'm not a diva like these two. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I, if there, if anyone's a diva, <laughs> it's me and it's horrible. And uh, you can also find my work over at TVOverMind.com. I review a lot of shows, including The Flash and Arrow. But we're going to wrap it up here. Remember, guys, next week there's no new episode of The Flash because Hiatus is a bleep. Um, no cursing, sorry. But uh, <laughs> So there's going to be a new episode. The Flash will be back on 
November 11th. And that's the introduction episode of Kelly Fry as Plastique, baby. She's going to rock your world. And we're going to get to our spoiler section. Wow, I sounded way too hipster in that in the, that minute. That was horrible. <laughs> and um, I never do that. But I'm excited to see Kelly Fry as Plastique. And we're going to talk about some spoilers for her episode. Uh, so if you're, not, if you're not sticking around for spoilers, I'm Andrew Bact. I'm Adam Scott Murray. Uh, <laughs> uh, we you, do this every week. Oh, <laughs> uh, you guys are amazing. And if we won't see you in the spoiler section, we will see you in two weeks on the Flash Podcast. since lightning struck. You need to kick it up a notch. While his desire to help others is commendable, I give you a head start. You can be a bit of a show-off. The Flash, new hit series, returns Tuesday, November 11th on The CW. Welcome to the spoiler section of the Flash podcast. I hate hiatuses because, my God, that was an amazing trailer that you just heard, which doesn't only show footage for episode 5 of The Flash, but it also shows us footage for episode 6 and 7. And uh, Adam is now going to read the official description for the fifth episode called Plastique. After a bomb goes off downtown, the army, led by General Eiling, played by guest star Clancy Brown, rolls in and takes over the case, much to Joe's surprise. Suspicious, Joe tells Barry that he and his friends at Star Labs should look into the army's involvement. Wells informs the team that Eiling was experimenting on his men to turn them into super soldiers. Cisco confirms one of Eiling's soldiers, soldiers, Bet Sansuki, played by guest star Kelly Fry, was at the bomb site. The Flash tracks her down and realizes that she's not setting off the bombs. She is a metahuman who can blow things up just by touching them. Meanwhile, when Joe learns Iris is writing about the streak, he tells Barry to make her stop. Barry realizes Iris won't listen to him, so he decides to have the Flash pay her a visit. Dermot Downs directed the episode, written by Aaron Helbing and Todd Helbing and Brooke Eichmeyer. <clears throat> That's a lot of writers. And um, this episode is obviously the episode that introduces um, DC villain uh, Plastique. And um, if you want to learn more about Plastique, make sure to listen to our Plastique episode that we did with uh, Shag Matthews from, from FirestormFan.com. It's up on our website, theflashpocket.com. Just go through the archives. And... Um, yeah, the, the thing with this trailer is that it it showed us so many different things because we saw the Clock King, uh, played by Robert Nepper, who will be showing up again after his first appearance on Arrow, and we saw the first look of um, Greg Finley as the Girder, 
and wow, those were some big arms. I'm sorry. And <laughs> it's and we also gonna get to meet Clancy Brown as General Ealing. I'm so excited about this because he's Clancy Brown. Do you need another reason? And uh, he was like Luther. And um, and it's um, and we see also Flash running over water. It's like they're doing everything that I want to see. Paying that fan service forward. Um, what are your thoughts about this trailer that we saw for not just episode five but also episode six and supposedly seven? Well, I mean, um. It's definitely the the trailer that kind of uh, puts a bunch of um, upcoming episodes together um, is very well done. Um, it uh, gives you hope that they are are definitely ready to, as Doctor Well says, take it all to a new level. And it looks exciting. It looks like it it um, it has uh, potential to get even better. Um, it, the whole element of Iris um, doing this blog and trying to stop her from doing it, and then he decides to make an appearance as the, as the Flash, a little bit reminds me of when Arrow was having to do the same thing when uh, you know the the Laurel and her dad were intrigued by what was going on and what was happening, and then he started to make personal appearances with a voice change to try to have an impact on on uh, what he was doing. So it's kind of an interesting. Uh, parallel there i think so it'll be interesting to see what happens but um you know if, if you're going to make people wait a couple of weeks you definitely want them uh counting down the days. so i think the uh trailer definitely uh, has you interested um to watch when it comes back adam yeah yeah it it reminded me of the trailer that we saw right after the pilot episode where they were you know they were teasing those next couple episodes and since this is going to be a not like a really long hiatus, but just a brief hiatus. I'm glad that they at least teased what's coming and what's going to happen in the coming weeks. Um, I noticed that okay in the comics, Girder is just an iron monstrosity that's just stuck in that form. He can't change. They seem to have gone the Colossus route, uh, route with him in the show, which, I mean, I get it just from a special effects standpoint. But uh, but it looks good, though, for television. It does look budget. good. It does look good, yeah. And once again... I think his arm is bigger than my head. He looks strong. Uh, yeah, and hopefully, unlike Colossus, he will actually get some dialogue because what? That's practically guaranteed. Well, yeah, I. Oh my god! Just cast Daniel Kudmore as Shazam already, so he can actually get some get actually get to show his acting chops. But we're not here to talk, talk about Marvel. We're here to talk about DC. So we also get to see another. Oh my god! I don't know if it's nightshade but there's another villain that we see that has some dark eyes um you would think that based on the looks that supernatural has with their demons that maybe they're doing a crossover there but they're not and um yeah we see robert nepper as clock king and he has a nappy beard <laughs> he's also looking a little worse for wear and uh you know for people who've seen arrow we know he has that terminal disease so um I'm interested to see what he's been up to. I don't, uh, I don't want him time. to die because, look, here's what I need. I need a scene. I don't care the, the context. I need a scene where Robert Neppert's Clock King, Dominic Purcell's Heat Wave, Peter Stormer's Convertico, and Wenwer Miller's Captain Cold all stand together in a, in a room and say, this feels familiar. <laughs> Why haven't we done this before? <laughs> 
You want to break out of prison? I don't know. <laughs> One uh, thing I want to point out, this isn't from the trailer, but the episode synopsis. It says, that, well, it implies at least that uh, uh, Plastique's powers come from General Eiling's experimenting on uh, his men to turn them into super soldiers. So, Mirakuru? Could that be? Not, maybe the, I'm not sure about the Mirakuru, but I do like now that they're giving alternative ways for people to gain powers in this world aside yeah. from the particle accelerator. I agree. And I, I think, Scott, I don't know if I, if you, maybe it was you I was talking about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, but we, I think we I think we had a chat about the fact that we want to see them do do superpowered superpowers on the show that is just not just from the particle accelerator incident. Uh, I don't mind that, but it's kind of cool to see how other methods can be used. No, definitely. I, I think um, I think that'll add a lot more to it because I think after a while you may run out of ways and ideas to just get it from the same source. Exactly, but um, and and images has been released for episode five of the Flash. There's there's one funny image. I I don't know why I couldn't start laughing about it, but it it was the fact um, uh, Caitlin was holding a boomerang. And all I wanted to say was, Caitlin, you're not Captain Boomerang. Put that back. Why would she be holding a boomerang? Why would anyone hold a boomerang? <laughs> well, you know, Ooh. when you're Digger Harkness, you have an excuse. Yeah. But, um, no, but look, I'm excited about these upcoming episodes, in, ter- in particular Plastique, because I think Kelly Fry is going to do a better portrayal of Plastique than the small version, and the, because I really wanted to get to know Plastic and get into her character, but she was so annoying on Smallville, so I think they're going to do a good job on Smallville, I mean on Arrow, I mean on The Flash, so many shows, oh my god, I'm excited. I, um, speaking of the podcast, by the way, um, not sure if we're going to have an episode out next week, you know, if we're doing a special edition episode, but you never know, but stay tuned on theflashpodcast.com, y'all. So... But anything else we want to say before wrapping it up? I just want to say that, you know, Clancy Brown is an accomplished actor. I've mostly, you know, heard him in voice roles, so I'm glad I'll, we'll have another a live another live action performance from him. Yeah. Um, I loved him in Shawshank Redemption, so I'm just looking forward to seeing him bring it in The Flash. Yeah, that's going to be really cool. And um, Scott, any la- last words? Nope. I'm good. You're good. <laughs> we are good. <laughs> We well, win. But guys, thank you so much for joining us on this in the start of this installment of the Flash Podcast. And uh, until next time, keep running, speedsters.